1: Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 629 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, December the 24th, Christmas Eve. Hope you are enjoying your holidays so far. Uh, I'm your host, of course, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at LockedOnRaptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the LockedOn Podcast Network, where we have team focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. All the NBA teams on Christmas Day will have podcasts somewhere around them, whether they're Christmas Day, the day after, the two days after. Just make sure you're listening to the LockedOn Network for all of your Christmas Day needs. We also have the Locked On NHL channel running strong. We've got football teeing you up for the last weekend of the season and heading into the playoffs. No shortage of stuff for you to check out on the Locked On Podcast Network, so get to it and subscribe to, rate, and review all of the shows that you want to support. It's very much appreciated when you do that. helps us with rankings and all that good stuff, and so uh, thanks in advance for taking the time. Alright, on today's show, uh, look, I didn't watch the Pacers game yet, I was at a Christmas concert last night with uh, with the family, and that was a lot of fun, and I have not yet seen the game, so apologies for that, I it's early on Tuesday morning, and I wanted to get this podcast up, so it's fresh for a long time, so you can listen to it ahead of Christmas, um, but so, I, we're not really talking about the Pacers game today, they lost one twenty one fifteen in overtime to Indiana last night, second night of the back-to-back, Kyle Lowry, doing his damn thing again, and nearly uh, orchestrating a comeback from down 15 in the third quarter. Um, Just what else would you expect at this point? A gutsy, uh, near-triumphant effort from the Raptors on the second night of a back-to-back. Really, you can't be all that upset with a loss in this situation, I don't think, with Kyle Lowry playing as well as he is. It's setting them up to have at least some level of competence going forward here without their guys who were all hurt and Kyle continuing to play like he is it's just really remarkable man it's a lot of fun to watch appreciate every second of it as we talked about on yesterday's show with Vivek which is still fresh by the way because we only really talked about the Mavs game and that is kind of a standalone event really so go back and listen to that episode if you've yet to hear it don't worry about it not being fresh or anything, because as it turns out, Kyle Lowry's still amazing even after uh, a one more game on the schedule. Shocking, I know, that one game did not derail Kyle Lowry as a, as a wonderful, perfect basketball player. Um, so, not going to dive into that game very much here. Tough loss, whatever. Moral victories count for something at this point, too, which I think last night's game was, even though the Pacers didn't have Malcolm Brogdon. You know, it was a tough situation to go into. After the emotional roller coaster that was the Sunday game going into Indiana with Christmas on tap. I'm not surprised they lost, and honestly, I'm surprised and happy and pleased that they showed uh, a a lot more effort than maybe they would have been able to get away with if they just kind of laid one down and got smacked by the Pacers. I don't think anyone would have been too upset because the the memories and feelings of Sunday would have still been fresh in people's minds, but they uh, worked their asses off and almost pulled out a win anyway. So that's where I'm going to leave the Pacers game for now. I don't want to speak too out of turn on it because I did not get to see the game be watching that this morning while I wrap my presents, because I'm an idiot who doesn't wrap presents until the 24th, Um, so that's my plan for today, but I also have a lovely podcast for you that I wanted to get out before Christmas, because I'm not posting a podcast tomorrow, likely not Thursday, and we'll see about Friday, Uh, but the Toronto Raptors take on the Boston Celtics on Christmas Day, the first Christmas Day game in Toronto in a very long time. I think maybe the first in Toronto, actually, ever. And it's going to be a blast. Uh, Looking forward to watching it with the fam and all that stuff. Sorry I won't be at the game to do a a podcast from down there, but there will be lots of great people covering the game for you in the house. Instead, here's a podcast with myself and John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. He's been on the show a whole bunch in the past. We had him on before the season to talk about the Celtics, and uh, we did a little Christmas Day preview. should be a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, that's where I'm going to leave this for now. Everyone, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope everyone has a fantastic holiday, whatever it is you're celebrating, and I just appreciate every single person who's even listened to one episode of the show is, uh, you have no idea that... How weird and wonderful it is That people decided that they wanted to listen To my dumb voice It's just a really nice thing to think about And I appreciate every single one of you And uh, big things on tap for 2020 And we'll keep going on strong here Uh, Big thanks to Vivek and Katie For all of their contributions to the show This year as well And I don't know why every time Christmas comes around Or the New Year comes around We talk as though we're all dying But hey, it's nice to take a second To be appreciative and all that stuff So uh, thanks again for listening It's so, so appreciated. And uh, tell your friends. If if there's a friend in your life who's a Raptors fan, maybe a new Raptors fan who's looking for a podcast to get them through their workday or whatever, maybe suggest this one. That would be the Christmas gift you can give me is to tell a friend about the podcast. Um, that's going to do it. I need to get some coffee in me. I'm going to wrap this thing up here and get to the conversation with our pal John Corrales from Locked On Celtics. Everybody, enjoy the Christmas Day game. Have a wonderful time. Have a beautiful holiday. And we will talk to you on the other side, either on Friday or Saturday or sometime soon. Until then, have a good one, everybody. Stay safe and uh, have a blast.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked
1: All right, it's Sean Woodley here from Locked On Raptors, joined for a Christmas Day preview of the very first game on the holiday schedule. It is John Corrales from Boston Celt- Locked On Celtics, not the Boston Celtics themselves. You don't play for the Celtics, right, John?
0: No, I wish. <laughs> make a little bit more money than what I make now. <laughs> I'm happy to sit at the end of the bench, you know, two-way deal, 10-day. Well, you know, whatever.
1: I have always maintained. Uh,
0: our, uh, we're getting healthy, so.
1: Yeah. I've always maintained yeah. that the best job in the world is like seventh reliever or like third string utility infielder or 15th man on an NBA roster. You get paid like an NBA player, but you don't have to do any oh, of the work. Sure. It rules. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I think you, you could get good it. exercise. <laughs> you hang out with the guys. You get Campbell to eat Walker all the.
0: you an Xbox. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> you get to eat all the locker room spreads, which is pretty much the only thing. Oh, that, yeah. that I want to be an NBA player for because it seems pretty good. Um, we're not here to talk about our failed athletic careers, though, John. We're here to talk about the Christmas game between the Raptors <laughs> and the Celtics, uh, which no, is very exciting. I want
0: to talk about the locker room spreads. Those uh, that's a lot more
1: fun. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, we, we've probably done entire episodes of Lockdown Raptors about the locker room food at some point, if I recall. We do a lot of weird stuff over there. Um, But we're not going to get super weird today. We're just going to talk about these two teams who are taking each other on, Toronto and Boston, in Toronto at noon Eastern on Wednesday, Christmas Day. Uh, The first Raptors Christmas game in a very long time. I think they played one on the road in, like, 2001 when Vince Carter was on the team and have not since. The Celtics seemingly play every single year. Uh, So my first question to you, John, is do you like when the team that you support and or cover plays on Christmas? I think it's stupid, and I don't, I'm not necessarily, like, thrilled about it. I'm not covering the game, um, because I just, I couldn't do that. But, I don't know, what is your, your thought on having the Celtics involved in Christmas festivities all the time? Because I have many problems with it.
0: I, I don't have quite the same vitriol for it, Mm. um. Maybe because my feelings on the holiday itself have evolved over the course of the <laughs> of time, um, so it's like anything that can just like pull me away, give me an excuse, like "Oh, I can't come to Christmas because I have to work." I'm sorry, like, for that I'm thankful. Uh, I I never really minded it though. I always thought that Christmas was. Uh, A great opportunity to see these guys um, and to have families watch these guys. I I think that Christmas Day games are where lifelong fans can be made because Mm. that's the one time where you have a real possibility of, hey, yeah, me and my dad and my brother or sister or mom, we'd sit there and watch the Celtics play on Christmas Day. And it was so, you know, whatever, like that type of moment where – have that that one kind of uniting factor where everybody's watching the game and and everybody's cheering for a team and and maybe some of the kids start to become like jason tatum jalen brown fans and and they start to build that fandom so i always looked at, at uh i looked at it, things from that way so I, I i like i like the christmas day games
1: well look at you just converting me with the wholesome talk of family and stuff <laughs> that, that's honestly i, I have yeah. a tendency to skew
0: positive <laughs> on a lot of things so i find silver linings and
1: everything well so you make a good point and that is the one thing and look I, i'm not going to the game my christmas isn't being derailed at all and I, mostly my issue with it is like I don't know, it feels kind of weird to make people travel to go play in a, yes. in a different city when they have kids and stuff like that. Uh, I'm glad the Raptors are hosting this game. And, you know, they, A lot of them have young kids. It would have been kind of a bummer to see them have to travel. So that's the, the part that Can I don't love. You, yeah.
0: Red Arback mm-hmm. always used to say that he wanted the Celtics to be on the road for Christmas because <laughs> he wanted to have the, the Boston Garden staff. It's actually a nice story. He wanted the Boston Garden staff to not have to work on Christmas. So he always wanted the Celtics to be on the road. That, so yeah. there's there's something to that. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's one thing to, like, I can sit there and say what I said. And, you know, these guys, Jason Tatum was just talking about Christmas and, and how it's like an honor. They see this as a thing, like a, a real big deal to be playing on Christmas. It's a marquee game. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't say it, – it, you don't really think about – Well, there are ushers who are getting paid minimum wage who have to be there and stand there all Christmas when those are the people that really, really want to have a Christmas at home. You know, Mm -hmm. the people who are working the concession stands and the security people and the people who are just making the grind day to day. Um, And that's that's where you can have like the, you know, Christmas can be a little bit tough on the, the people who are working those games.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's basically my whole gripe with it. But the way you described the, the family element of it, and I, I, I got a bit of a taste of this on Sunday. I was at a family gathering um, ahead of the holidays, and the Raptors' 30-point comeback against the Mavs was on. And by Ooh. the end of that game... Everyone in the room, including the small children, were deeply, deeply into it. So that is an exciting thing, and I am excited to watch with all of my freshly converted Raptors uh, fan (laughs) people in my my family who really got on last year when they won the title. That is going to be fun, so I do look forward to that. So I'll stop being a Grinch about it now, and I'll enjoy it for what it is. And look, Raptors fans have been waiting for a Christmas game for a very, very long time, so I'm glad that it's finally come to pass. Although, of course, after waiting for 18 years for a Christmas game, the Raptors were always going to be horribly injured for their very first one in a long time, (laughs) uh, which happens to be the case for the Raptors right now. They are missing Mark Gasol, Pascal Siakam, and Norman Powell, who are all out for an indefinite period of time with various different maladies. There's a hamstring for Gasol, a groin injury for Pascal Siakam, and a shoulder injury for Norman Powell, which does not seem... Uh, Like, he's going to be back anytime soon. None of these guys are going to be back anytime soon, it seems. Soon, it seems. That was a tongue twister. Um, And so we go into this game here on Wednesday with the Celtics and Raptors squaring off. And it's not really a fair fight in terms of health and guys who are available. I know the Celtics have had their own injury issues this season. And Marcus Smart, I believe, is still out of the lineup, correct? Am I correct to say that? That Um, is correct. Yeah. But, you know, the, the Raptors... As as inspiring as their win over the Mavs was on Sunday, and as scrappy and weird and janky as they've been on defense, I'm not expecting this really to be a matchup where they can hang tight with with the Celtics all day long, unless things get super weird like they did against uh, Dallas. But I don't know, John. Looking at this game, you were tweeting just before coming on here about how things are lining up pretty well for the Celtics, and I kind of have to agree. This matchup seems pretty tough for the Raptors, and if I'm picking who's going to win, I'm probably leaning towards Boston as of right now.
0: Uh, I would say so. First of all, if, if you're the Grinch, then that makes me Cindy Lou Who, which I'm not 100% sure I'm ready for that role. But, we need uh,
1: someone to do a, a Photoshop of that, please. Uh, that would, just tag me in it so I can see it.
0: <laughs> that, would be, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, the things, things have worked out. I mean, obviously you have to preface it by saying we prefer not to have any injuries. Injuries are the worst, but they happen. And for the Celtics, they've just, they're starting to get healthy. And we know how it is with injuries here. Gordon Hayward, probably I would expect him to play Marcus smart. I would expect him not to, like you said, and, uh, maybe another day or two, a game or two for him as he tries to get his conditioning back, um, but without all of those players uh, for the Raptors uh, and the Celtics, kind of on an upswing, you just have you know Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really fully realizing uh, what they can be and what they can do. And they're not only scoring uh, like Tatum did in the um, in in this last game, but defending and passing and really playing so well that Kemba Walker can. Basically, take a fourth quarter off, and the Celtics can turn a close game into a blowout. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wild, uh, but but the Celtics are not constructed in a way where they could be lazy and have all of that still play out. Like that's they're not the Warriors of a couple of years ago. You mm-hmm. know, they like, they are good because when they play together. Everybody, the collective powers of this team are better than each guy kind of going off in his own individual half cocked forays. Um, you can't have a bunch of ISO play and, and expect to win. And even, even when the Raptors are throwing, you know, Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis and Malcolm Miller out there, like they're still NBA players. And they just, even though Lowry was the guy that kind of made that run happen, they were just part of a 30-point comeback against a, a, a Mavs team that built a huge lead. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they were good enough to build a huge lead. So, um, And a Mavs team that just beat the Bucks without Luka Doncic and, and, and that made things tough for the Celtics. Um, so, yeah, on paper, this looks like something that, the Celtics should win. Um, but having seen these guys and have seen them kind of feel too good about themselves, you know, I can also see a situation where they come out and think, hey, man, look at what we just did. Look how awesome I am, Jason Tatum. And look, I can go and, and take all of my step backs without having to do all of the things first that make these step backs effective. Um, I'm Jalen Brown, and I'm. It's my turn now. I, I want to go and, and, and be the star. It's you know, you had your 39 point game. Let me go and get try to get mine. Mm-hmm. You know, pad my stats a little bit and get my average up. If that happens, then the Celtics should end up down double digits in the first quarter, like in a hurry.
1: Yeah, I. <laughs> I'm not terrified if I'm a Raptors fan of this Celtics team just because we've seen, like, they're always very good competitive games when these two teams play. Um, and I would expect something close to that on Christmas just because of the way the Raptors play defense and because of how wacky they get, right? But of all the teams that you could throw your sort of janky defenses where you're sort of sending extra help towards the ball and you're, you're, you're sort of opening yourself up around the floor, the Celtics do seem like one of the teams that can really beat the, that defense pretty easily just because yeah. of the number of guys on the floor who are able to put the ball on the deck and are able to make decisions and sort of run the offense. And you know it's not like it's one singular star where th- th- hovering around them is just like four nothings who can't make a play. This isn't like a Damian Lillard situation or something like that. This is you know, and that's not not fair to CJ McCollum. But the Raptors did a very <laughs> good job against the the the, the Blazers earlier this year. That's why the example uh, came to the top of mind. The Celtics just have a lot of guys who can make plays, and if you're going to send extra help towards Kemba Walker, you're opening yourself up to get killed by Jason Tatum or by Jalen Brown, and that is not a recipe for success. And, and I think the reason the Raptors have been so good in those sort of you know weird half baked defenses is that they've done it in the in the right situations against teams where it doesn't kill you, and, and against in the few instances where they haven't done that, it's been against like the Clippers and they got killed. So I, I don't necessarily foresee this being a game where those sort of weird defenses that the Raptors use to beat the Mavericks are going to be really all that effective um, Can you speak maybe to more of how the Celtics typically kind of deal with with you know extra defensive attention and stuff like that like, like the, the, this they're a team that's built to you know survive that right
0: yeah yeah I mean they, they, they have been good like at their best they, they do make what yeah, it's the next right play. Brad Stevens emphasizes that so often, uh, and, and one element that could really facilitate that is the return of Gordon Hayward, because that is kind of what Gordon Hayward does. Mm-hmm. That he is—he's one of the team's best passers. He and and Marcus Smart might be the two best passers on the team. Mm-hmm. So getting him into that, uh, getting him into that game is is going to help. Just add another element where if if you blitz Kemba Walker, then you'll have the potential for Jason Tatum going off for 39 points or Jalen Brown hitting a few threes or you get Gordon Hayward backdoor cutting. I mean, when you look at the type of defense that you're talking about, the backdoor cuts are going to be really what open themselves up. And, um, I think Gordon Hayward might be the best cutter on the team. Mm -hmm. He and, he and Kemba Walker, both excellent at reading and cutting. And so if they're playing off of one another and if they're playing, if, if if Brad Stevens staggers Kemba and say Jalen Brown and Tatum and, um, Hayward, then at all times, you'll have two guys on the floor that can play off of one another and one can pass to the cutter and, and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. um, the added attention on one particular guy, like you can, like you said, you can blitz uh, a Damian Lillard and take the ball out of his hands. But the Celtics do have now, uh, they have they could potentially have three all-stars. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of the question to say that Kemba, Jalen and Jason could all be all-stars this year um, they're all averaging over 20 points a game or, or I, I'm going to look at Jalen's um, he's, he was, but then he might've dropped off a little bit, but still point is that he's, he's been having an all-star kind of level season. If you really want to go after one guy and uh, take the ball out of his hands, there are other guys. And and without Gasol there, especially mm-hmm. without Gasol there, that really opens things up because now there's that one advantage that you had where the Celtics kind of... You you throw Daniel Tice out there and Gasol eats up Daniel Tice, but, so that means you have to throw his Cantor out there if Cantor can even make the trip. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's the other issue. Can Cantor <laughs> make this trip? And if the if he can't, then you're either going small with Grant Williams and Shemi Ojale at the five or you throw Taco Fall in, in there. And as much as he's like a big sensation in Boston he's, he's not NBA ready mm-hmm. quite yet so uh, but without Gasol there well now you can go small and so that takes away an extra element defensively you, you can throw out, out um, a guy like Grant Williams and, and still be okay so yeah I mean the things that have worked for the Raptors I think the Celtics are built uh, especially as they get healthier they are built to kind of make, make you pay
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Yeah, and it's not terribly surprising either, right? Like the way the Raptors defend, you know, I think the guys who have been the best in those weird sort of high school like defenses have been guys who are just like, you know, bursting with energy and who are sort of all over the place. And they kind of make up a lot of ground and they, you know, are cool with scrambling. Whereas I think, you know, playing up just like straight up, like they're probably going to have to against the Celtics, you know, those guys, again, little balls of energy. There's a little bit too much in the way of fouling, aggression, you know, fouling jump shooters and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's absolutely going to be tested in this one for sure. Another one I have for you, John, is so people, I think, coming into the year, and I believe I coming into the year when we did our chat about the Celtics and Raptors ahead of the season, I was very skeptical that the Celtics were going to be able to defend at anywhere near like a top 10 level. They're number four in defense right now, a, a tenth of a point behind the Raptors in terms of overall defensive rating. They've been excellent on that end, despite not really having a traditional rim-protecting center, having guys in like Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker who, coming into the season, might have had reputations as being minus defenders or at least you know nowhere above average. That's kind of been proven wrong. What have the Celtics been doing defensively to sort of drum up this incredible efficiency they've had on that end, and how do you think that's going to apply to a Raptors team that is very much just like Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, pick-and-roll centric right now? And, you know, they ran a lot of, like, one-two pick-and-rolls with Kyle and Terrence Davis in that Dallas comeback as well. And, you know, it's just, it's mostly all flowing from Kyle. How does the Celtics' defense sort of uh, work around that?
0: Well, the Celtics' defense... Playing their best is a connected, kind of swarming, uh, take advantage of their length at the wing kind of defense. So Tatum is a big part of why the Celtics are successful because he's long and he can anticipate passes. And on the backside of a defense, he will, in every game, get at least one tip that may result in a fast break, uh, a a breakout dunk.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's had that um, just about every game, uh, and and Jalen Brown the same thing. What what they do is uh, the continuity with Daniel Tice makes up for the lack of that big shot blocker, that big guy like, or even like Aaron Baines, who wasn't a huge shot blocker, but he went vertical and and contested at the rim like nobody else. Um, Tice, having played under uh, Baines and Al Horford has has learned a lot of what the Celtics are trying to do and, and what coverages they're trying to play. And so he's able to quarterback the defense pretty well. Um, the Celtics when, you know, they, they help, they rotate, they know how to kind of recover and, and where they should be on the floor. And I'd say in the NBA the advantage that the offense gets is when they can take advantage of confusion. Like the whole point of these defenses is of these offenses is to create some level of confusion to say, all right, you have to make a decision and you're going to have to live with that decision. The Celtics best defense is that's fine, I'm going to make this decision and commit to it because I know behind me someone else is going to help me out and rotate over. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics in rotation are, is not as bad as like when you talk about putting another team in a rotation and everybody's flying everywhere. When this, the Celtics can fall into those traps for sure, but when they're really, really playing well, everything's connected. Um, guys are under control and they they kind of almost bait teams into making passes, making plays that kind of go into the teeth of what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So that and again, that's why that's why Tatum is so dangerous because those passing lanes seem open. And because he's got these super long arms, he can kind of be a little bit outside of a a player's periphery and understand, like, if they funnel Kyle Lowry this way and this guy likes to go this way, I'm going to hang just a little bit back and invite that pass. And then I know when to break and get into that passing lane and get a tip or or at least recover in time to to not make that an open 3. So that's that's the best part. It's it, they don't have a natural rim protector, but they they protect the rim by preventing players from even getting there in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a daunting defense to be sure, and it kind of, in in a lot of ways you described there, sort of mirrors what the Raptors have done at their best this season, and they kind of got tired playing that style of defense, it seemed. They had a bit of a lull there, and up against some really good teams, their rotations were less crisp and less on, on the nose, and that resulted in many, many open threes and all the stuff you don't like. And I, do the Celtics ever get tired playing that? Do you ever get that impression? Do you ever get, like, <laughs> just the, the idea that maybe they're just getting burnt out playing such a a defense that requires so much in the way of constantly knowing where you're going next and what the next rotation is and what the next move is, and as opposed to just, like, a typical straight-up one-on-one defense where, yeah, maybe the ceiling of that kind of defense is a lot lower, but just, like, the mental... Like stamina, it takes to play it is not quite as uh, as high uh, as sort of as it is to play such a like a, a scrambling style of defense that the Celtics have done so well.
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you what: if you took the Celtics' top minutes getter, Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. uh, he would be fourth in minutes on the Raptors. That's so, a good point. <laughs> so he would be. He's getting, and this is this is part of the Brad Stevens, like he really is trying like hell to keep these minutes down like Tatum's at the 34-minute mark. Jalen, 33. Kemba Walker's playing 32 minutes a game. Uh, Kemba Walker last year averaged uh, 30, 35, and so he his career average is 34, so his even his minutes are down by a couple. And it, he's just trying to keep these guys fresh, and he rotates in like Brad Wanamaker. You throw in Shemi Ojale, Grant Williams. Uh, even we saw Romeo Langford get 23 minutes. If a guy off the bench is being effective, then he'll get plenty of time. And and there are times where I, Celtics fans will sit there and say, uh, "Hey, this would be a great time to get Kimba back in." <laughs> and 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 Brad's like, you know, sticking to his plan because he understands that it's. It's a, a marathon. It's it's a it's a grind, and he's just not going to put that uh, that burden on his players. No matter what, he's just going to like Javante Green is going to get minutes, mm-hmm. uh, and and they're going to try to steal minutes with different players. Whatever the matchup is, he, they're going to try to do that. So a, a team like the Raptors doesn't have that especially not with with the injuries you have to play kyle lowry 38 minutes a game Mm -hmm. but there's what happens there is you take plays off defensively because you are tired so um i i think it may be frustrating to some celtics fans but the the minutes thing that brad that plan it it kind of works and while the celtics are in there they do a pretty good job. They haven't done a great job defending the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have had, in some games, where a, a three-point shooter goes off. Devontae Graham was going off in the first quarter, and the Celtics finally clamped down on him, but um, there, if there is one, one thing that the Celtics might do a little too much, they, they, they do sometimes have a tendency, especially when it's not the starters, um, when some bench units, they have a tendency to
1: overhelp mm-hmm. and
0: get caught a little too deep, so there may be drive and kick opportunities for Lowry to find shooters in the corner uh, if somebody can go knock those down.
1: Yeah, the only problem is uh, these days that open shooter is like Patrick McCaw. Uh, Sure. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I, I feel like I've given off the uh, very clear impression that I don't think the Raptors are going to win this game. As much as I would like it, as much as that would be cool – I just kind of think the way the talent stacks up, uh, you know, as inspiring as these Raptors have been while going through all these injuries, and as much as I believe in Kyle Lowry's ability to carry a team to respectability regardless of who's on the floor. It just seems a little bit daunting against the team. Like you mentioned, the Celtics, that manage their minutes well. They constantly have energy. Um, I think Kyle Lowry's probably going to see a lot of extra bodies just because why wouldn't you? I mean, the Mavs tried and they failed, but um, the Celtics seem to be a little bit more disciplined and sort of accustomed to playing that kind of defense. So,
0: I mean, yeah. what's going to happen when Kyle Lowry goes off the floor?
1: I mean, they've been doing a good job of just staggering Kyle and Fred um, and making sure one of them's on the floor at all times. It's not terribly wonderful to watch with Fred being the lone guy out there, but he's been good enough this season running all bench lineups or lineups without Kyle that I think he's, you know, he's much, I'm much more comfortable and confident in him doing that than I have been in the past. You know, in the past, that was a recipe for disaster. This year, not so much. You know, they, you're going to find stretches where the Raptors go. 4 or 5 minutes where they don't generate anything off on offense. So this is what happened for most of the game against the Mavericks until they came back. The, the half court offense just fizzled out. There wasn't anything that they could do. They without Pascal and Norman Powell, who is, you know, one of their best off the bounce guys, there's not really anyone who can break down a defense in sort of the traditional way. Like Kyle has been pretty good with it, and he, you know, he, he's he got this sort of new bag of like, hesitation dribbles and stuff like that that he's using, I think, to overcome his lack of burst, and it's worked pretty well, and it did damn well in the, in the win over Dallas, but I, I think with the way the Celtics play defense and their switchability, like, if you switch against the Raptors, there's not much they can do at this point, just because there's, there's just, like, nothing. Like, there's no... There's no ability to sort of generate space or, or generate any sort of uh, penetration and stuff like that unless they're running that pick and roll and you know teams are you know getting yeah. bamboozled by it. Oh, well, that's a word I haven't used in a long time. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't. E- that's not even in my vocabulary. I have no idea why that just came out, but it's. It's going to be a tough slog, I think, for the Raptors. This could be a very ugly game. I could see this being an extremely low-scoring game uh, that, you know, gets people good and mad about ratings and stuff like that, because people love to talk about ratings, (laughs) and people will be like, well, the ratings obviously are down because this one game was 87-84, therefore the basketball's bad now, or something like that. Um, But I think there'll be, like, a weird charm to it, in that, like, the Raptors will be (laughs) as desperate as possible. I just don't think they're going to have enough juice in the at the end to, to do it. But hey, they I didn't think they had the juice to make a thirty point comeback against Dallas either. Um, so who knows? That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Winning at home would be cool. I, I would be I'd be in on that. It'd be fun to watch. But I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, John, most important question for you. This is not at all related to the, the game on the floor. Of all the players in the Celtics, which, first of all, good on the NBA for getting a red and green matchup for Christmas. It's nice. I look forward to watching it aesthetically. I Pretty hope nice. they yeah. go red on green jerseys. That seems like the only way to do it. I know that's probably a problem for people who are colorblind, but um, I think I, re- I recall that's like true. a Bills-Jets game that did red on green. Game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. I think uh, red on green is kind of what has to happen tomorrow. They're
0: going to screw it up and play, like, black jerseys and white jerseys. Oh, they're they're gonna, gonna it's going to be out. like
1: throwback Raptors night with the... Yeah,
0: it's going to be stupid. I, I'm sure it is. With the
1: Celtics yeah. jerseys that look like they got puked on by the dropkick Murphys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, but other than that, my, my main question is, on this festive day, which Celtics player would you describe as the most festive? Like who who when you look at him, just you know, just sort of has that festive glow to him? Who is the most one with the season?
0: Uh, probably Grant Williams. Okay. Uh, Grant Williams is a self-proclaimed goofball. He is he is really one of the most likable people I've ever met. <laughs> He's just he, uh, the only word I, I keep using this word, it's the best word that I could I could come up with. He's adorable. He's just—he's like, I wish I had a daughter to introduce to Grant Williams. Like, he's the type of guy. Like, yes, please marry my daughter. Like, that's, <laughs> please, I'm gonna hook you guys up. Go, be married. Uh, that he in—he, the best way I could put this is with, with the holiday season. Um, recently, not as a Christmas gift, but he recently learned how to make candles. He went to a place that. You learn how to make a candle, and he made a few. He bought a bunch and made a few, and and handed them out to all of the Celtics staff. Went to the Celtics offices and got everybody little candles to just saying, "Hey, let's have a great season." He gave he gave one to like Danny Ainge. He gave one to everybody. <laughs> uh, so he's like the one guy who is just always happy. Very willing to do, like, to, to I think, do all those silly holiday things. Like, it's the best way I could put it. I mean, Kimball Walker just bought everybody an Xbox. Like, literally bought everybody at Xbox One. But <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to go with Grant because he's just adorably goofy.
1: Yeah, we've talked a lot about him already, but I think Kyle Lowry is the most festive player on the Raptors. Um, sure. He does a thing called Lowry's Holiday Assist every year, where him and his family give out meals to the less fortunate. Uh, he nice. he has that big milk and cookies butt. Uh, <laughs> he definitely likes himself a milk and a cookie. He After the game against the Mavericks, and apologies for only talking about the Mavericks game, because I'm recording this, you're hearing this on Tuesday if you're listening on the Raptors feed, But we're not talking about the Pacers game that has not yet happened yet. A little behind the curtain. But in that Mavericks game, you know, Kyle did his thing and was the reason they won the game. And the first thing he did when he was asked about the game was shout out Malcolm Miller, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Terrence Davis, and uh, Chris Boucher. Which is, uh, you know, he's not putting himself first. He's very Santa-like in that regard. I'm basically just saying Kyle Lowry is Santa. And so uh, yeah. Yeah. I would imagine he'll be a little bit tired on Christmas Day. Especially at noon on Christmas Day. That's a, a quick turnaround. For Santa, yeah. for Santa Lowry um, <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it here man this was a lot of fun I uh, yeah. look forward to Raptors Celtics on Christmas Day and the nap that will follow that when the, the next game is on uh, although the Sixers and Bucks is a pretty good game but 2.30 is kind of my one. kind of my afternoon nap zone after I drink too much in the morning so I don't know <laughs> <laughs> we'll see but man this was a lot of fun and I uh, hope you have a lovely holiday And uh, I guess we should plug our stuff. What do you got to plug, John?
0: We should. Uh, Anybody that wants to read my Celtics content can go to masslive.com slash Celtics. Uh, That's where all of my work appears. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. If you're really looking for a specific story in the interest of kind of fun, goofy things, I wrote a story about Meet the Celtics, Meet the Dogs of the Boston Celtics, so you got pictures of guys with their all of their new dogs. So that was a fun little story that I did.
1: That sounds fantastic. Uh, you can find my work, obviously, Locked On Raptors, subscribe, rate, review. It's always appreciated both for Locked On Raptors, Locked On Celtics, and all the other Locked On podcast offerings that we have across all the sports. Uh, if you have yet to purchase We The Champs, if you are a last-day Christmas shopper looking for a Raptors-themed gift for the Raptors fan in your life, uh, We The Champs is still available at all of your various bookstores and whatnot you can order it online too i just don't think you'll get it in time for christmas so go to the book brick and mortar store and buy it there it's much appreciated and that's gonna do it this is it for the Raptors celtics crossover episode teen up christmas day have a wonderful holiday everybody enjoy the game